yo, yo. All right, there we go. There we go. Check, check. One, two, one, two. All right. Um, all right, yeah, Tori, thanks so much for having me. Hey, Welchers, this is really a blessing um, and really a sweet grace for me to be here today. Um, so for seven years, I've been praying for you. And so I've never had a picture of what I've been praying for. And, and today I get to see um, the fruit of prayers for seven years. Um, praise the Lord that like I'm standing before. Yeah, amen. Seriously. And so I'm standing before, um, man, the evidence of the Lord's kindness, the evidence of the Lord's grace um, to answer prayer. And so it's, a, it's an honor to be with you guys um, today. And a little bit about me. I am from Dallas. I grew up in Oak Cliff. And so it's south of Dallas, inner city. Um, my... <clears throat> All right. Yeah, we got one person from the Oak Cliff area. All right. Good. <laughs> and so, um, and so when, I, when, I, when I graduated, I went on to college at the University of North Texas. My major was biology. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I see you, Eagles. All right. And so, um, and so, yeah, my major was biology, and there I met my wife. Um, while we were at North Texas, I met the Lord my junior year um, at the University of North Texas and then moved to D.C., um, to do some ministry, yeah, with this organization called The Navigators for two years. The Lord, come on, man, we are family right now. I'm loving all this. And so, um, and so the Lord really gave me a rich heart for discipleship while I was in Maryland, um, the D.C. area. So I came back and went to school at Dallas Theological Seminary where I met Tori. And um, man, the Lord's just been really kind. Um, I came on staff at the Village Church um, about five years ago, married my bride around that time as well. And we now have two sons. We have a three-year-old named Levi Henry and a five-month-old named Simon King. And so our home is really busy. And um, man, I'm, I, I'm not coming home sitting down, that's for sure. Um, my three-year-old keeps us really busy. And so, so again, it's really a blessing to be here. And, and I'm really grateful for, um, for the Lord's kindness to let me see um, what I and many others have been praying for um, for the last seven years. And so our, our, um, our text is going to be coming from Acts 2, um, chapters 42 through 47 this morning. Um, the topic for this message is called A Powerful Church. And so again, our text will be coming from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And our topic for today will be a powerful church. And so as you're turning there, there's also Bibles um, somewhere. There's some ushers that are going to pass out some Bibles. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and one of the ushers will give you a Bible and you can keep that Bible. Um, it's the Wells gift to you if you want to take that home with you guys. Um, and so I want to share a little story before you guys, um, before we get to the text this morning. And so um, about six months ago, myself, my wife, and a bunch of our friends from um, of the Village Church, we dressed up in some wonderful African attire and went to go see a movie. And so can you guess what we went to go see? Wakanda Forever. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah. All right. Come on. And so... Um, and so we, we go to see the movie Black Panther, and the scene of the movie Black Pan Panther is centered around the country of Wakanda. And so in Wakanda, there is a heart-shaped herb um, that gives life, that gives power. And so King T'Challa, he consumes this heart-shaped herb, and with it, he receives power to become the Black Panther. And so he's able to overcome darkness. He's able to fight crime. Like, he is the superhero of Black Panther. Um, but not only is this heart-shaped herb in, herb in Wakanda um, able to give power when consumed, um, by it, a mineral is pulled out called vibranium. And so vibranium has the ability to transform the entire globe. 
but it's only contained in the movie Black Panther in the country of Wakanda. And so Wakanda has power, amazing power, and it's only contained currently to Wakanda. And so what if you, what if you had power? What would you do with this power? How would you steward this power? Who would you give this power to? And so believer in Jesus Christ, follower of Jesus Christ, children of God, if that's you in this room today, you have power that God has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and power is never contained, ever. Let's pray. Father, may you bless this word this morning. God, may you open our hearts to understand you more, to understand ourselves more, and God, may we hear what thus says the Lord. Um, God, may we take this time in your word as what it is, truth being given to us, being preached and proclaimed over us. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you open up ears to hear, that you open up hearts to receive, and God, that we will leave this place never the same. So bless this time, Father, we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so as we talk about a powerful church, there are four distinctives that I want to pull out from the book of Acts that make up a powerful church. The first is a learning church. The second, we will talk about a loving church. The third is a worshiping church. And the last is an evangelistic church. And so in the book of Acts, we will pull out four distinctives to this people that mark and shape us today. And that is first, a learning church. Secondly, a loving church. Thirdly, a worshiping church, and fourth, an evangelistic church. This is in no order. This is just kind of the order that I pull out of the book of Acts, but it can kind of interchange one or the other. And so the first, the learning church. So let's read the word of the Lord before we jump into the word. How about that? Yeah. Um, So this is the word of the Lord in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved This is the word of the Lord. And and so our first point here is that this powerful church, and when I talk about church, I'm not saying like a building that we come and gather in. I'm talking about a people. We, the body of believers, those who come to faith in Jesus Christ are the church. And so the first distinctive of a powerful church, a powerful people is a learning church. And so Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so one of the initial signs of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a desire to learn and be encouraged by the Word of God. And so when Luke writes this in the book of Acts, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that word for devotion in the Greek means to busy oneself with. And so the Acts church, the first century church, was a busy church. Can I get an amen? I'm, I'm busy, y'all, like for real. Like I got a lot going on in my life. And so, and so this Acts church, they were a busy church. They found their lives busy. They were a busy people, and they were a busy people in the word. They were busy with the preaching of the word, and they were busy with the gathering um, of the body of believers together under the preached word of God. They found themselves busy often, being consumed with the word of the Lord. And so, hey, I, I don't know about you guys, but man, my, my life is crazy busy sometimes. I mean, 
like, I just get overwhelmed by a lot of the things that go on. I mean, if you look at my calendar, I'm like, oh my goodness, how did I ever get here to where there's not even a space to breathe, really? I'm like, man, Lord, help me because my day is so busy. What, what we find to be true about the first century church is that they too were a busy people. But one thing that they found to be most important about them when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon them is that they found themselves busy in and gathering around the Word of God. And so I have to ask the question, why? Like, why is it that this first century church, this people, found themselves busy in the Word of God? And, and, and really, friends, I, I, have to, I have to think. And so this is not the Word. Like, I didn't find this in a Word. But when you look at the context of this people, what you find to be true is when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, what we know to be true is that there were roughly about 150 people gathered in the upper room. And so when the Holy Spirit fell, these people start speaking in all these foreign tongues. And when they start speaking in these foreign tongues, Peter, Peter stands up because some, some of the onlookers saw this and they were like, man, these people are drunk. What's going on with them? And then Peter stands up with this bold proclamation to the gospel, and he proclaims what is going on in the context of these different tongues being spoken. And out from that, 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so you have 150 in the upper room, and then you have 3,000 new believers. And so you have about, about 3,150 believers in Jerusalem, followers of Jesus Christ. And now, out from that, you have 200,000 people at this time living in Jerusalem. So check out this context. Jesus is just crucified. The followers of Jesus Christ are waiting in the upper room. Outpouring of the Spirit comes. Peter stands up and gives this message. 3,000 followers of Jesus Christ come to believe and, and follow Christ. And now you have 296,000 people who don't know Jesus. You have 3,150 3, people who do know Jesus, 296,000 people who don't know Jesus and are hostile to the gospel. What would you do? For me, I'm going to need my word, guys. Like, I'm going to need to be reminded of the power um, that is displayed in this word. I'm going to need to be reminded of this Jesus who is Lord and King. I'm going to need to be saturated with believers who believe what I believe because what I know to be true about the context and what I live in is that people are hostile to the gospel. We're talking about the first century church here. And so what we know to be true is that people did not love Jesus. They crucified him. And they're living in this context. And so for them, gathering around the preached word of God and being consumed by the word of God was important because for them to follow Jesus meant that they could be martyred. And so they needed to be reminded of this word. It was important that they consumed the word of God. It was important that they would be encouraged by the word of God. And so they busied themselves in the word of God. And so Eric or, or Kevin DeYoung um, with the book Crazy Busy writes this. He says, three dangers to avoid with a busy life. The first danger is that busyness can ruin our day. This is the most immediate and obvious spiritual threat. As Christians, our lives should be marked by joy, taste like joy, and be filled with the fullness of joy. Busyness attacks all of that. One study found that commuters experience greater levels of stress than fighter pilots and, rider police, and riot police. That's what we're facing. When our lives are frantic and frenzied, we are more prone to anxiety, resentment, impatience, and irritability. And so I'm just going to confess this, that most of the time when I find myself busy, I find myself overwhelmed, anxious, and lacking a lot of joy. Am I the only one? 
No? Hey, I love, I love this, guys. Like, just shake your head. Like, if you, if you believe it, you can say this. Put your hand up, say amen. I ain't going to call on you. But, I mean, I, I don't mind a little bit of call and response, all right? And so, and so what I found to be true in my life is that when I'm really busy, like, I feel like my joy is being, is being taken at times. When I'm really busy, it's, it's almost hard for me sometimes to really dial in um, and focus on the Lord and His Word. And when I'm really busy, I find myself very anxious, at times very worried, And so for the first century church, they found themselves busy around the Word of God because it was so important for them to continue to be reminded of the truth and the reality of the gospel that their life is now a part of. And so they busied themselves with the Word of God. And not only was this powerful church defined by devotion to the Word of God, but this powerful church was defined by the love that they had for one another. And so Acts 2.42 also talks about Not only did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, but also to fellowship. And so the Greek word for fellowship here is koinonia. And so it it, it captures really two things. It captures what they fellowship in and what they fellowship out of. And so what these believers, the first century church, what they fellowshiped in was the communion of fellowshipping with the triune God. That through faith in Jesus Christ, they now have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And friends, don't miss this. This is massive. That the creator of all things, seen and unseen, all-powerful, all-knowing, that this people now have an intimate relationship with the triune God. And say so they, they took that very seriously. They reminded themselves of this very often. And, and, and not only that, but because they've been brought into an intimate relationship through faith in Jesus Christ, the early church found themselves overwhelmed by intimacy with brothers and sisters in the Lord. It was sweet. It was beautiful. Here's why. Again, there are 196,000 people who don't believe this. And so when they go into the market, when they're doing their shopping, whenever they're going to go do their trades, they are being encountered by people who do not believe in the same gospel. And so when they gather together, when they come together, when they sup together, they are being reminded that you believe what I believe. You are connected with the triune God like I am connected. And it created this sweet intimacy of fellowship, knowing that the triune God has has brought us into a loving relationship with him. And this church was overwhelmed by it. And so they shared in this intimacy of having a relationship with the triune God, but they also shared out of that intimacy a fellowship with their giving, with their time, with their money, with all that they had because they they are reminded that God sent his son to save us, to die for us. And by that and through that, we have faith in Jesus Christ. We are redeemed. We are set free from the bondage of sin, the fear of death. We are in a relationship with God forever into eternity. And so when you remember, when we remember that God sent his only son to die for us, that we may have life and have that life to the full, when we consider the implications of the gospel, that we were one trapped, consumed, slaves to sin, but God has set us free in Christ, when we remember that, that God freely gave his son and Jesus Christ hung, bled, and died on a cross for our sins so that we may be set free, when we remember that, believer in Jesus Christ, that then frees us up to freely give, amen? That then encourages us to freely give because God did not just give us his son, Jesus Christ, but in that he gave us a renewed relationship with him forever. And so if God wouldn't just 
give us his son, Jesus Christ, but if he, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, and by that and through that, would he not also freely give us all things? That's Romans 8. And so they gave their time, they gave their talents, they gave their money. And so this is kind of what I envision this looking like. And so, you know, with the early church, they're like, hey, man, like, oh, oh, you need, you need a little food? I got you. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to cook you these chili dogs. Oh, y'all ain't cooking chili dogs in Austin. Y'all got, y'all got steaks and shrimp and caviar. You know, y'all do it, y'all do it big down here in Austin. And so, and, and, and so what, what, what that looked like was, oh, oh, so, so you need a little food? I got you. Oh, you need a little money? I got you. Oh, you, oh, you, you, need, my, you need my Keurig? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cold brewing now. You can have that thing. You know what I mean? Like, I got you, you know, because y'all baristas out here too, right? And so... Um, and, and, and so check this out, but then, but then, oh, oh, you need, you need like, you need like two hours of my time. Ah, you see what had happened was, you see my mom and them, they, they called me up and, um, and they need me to kind of do something, but, and I I don't know if I can really give that. And so this is what I know that this is me. So I don't want to assume this on you, but if this is you, you can be like, yeah, that, that is me at times. What I know to be true is that sometimes giving our money is, is, is okay. Like that's, that's kind of easy for us, right? Amen. Some of us. It's, giving our money is kind of easy. Like giving our things, like for many of us, it's kind of easy, right? Um, man, giving somebody a meal, like for many of us, that's kind of easy. But when someone asks for our time, like our time, hey man, can I have two hours of your time that you can pray with me, that you can read the word with me? Like, can you sit with me? Can you come over? Man, we're, we're in a difficult situation right now. To ask someone for our time, man, that's really hard to give, right? Because we have so much going on in our lives but for the first century church, they gave all of what they had, their time, their talents, their gifts, and their money, because they saw that the love of God gave his son, gave his son. Because God gave his son to die for us. Man, what, what do we have that we cannot give? And so this first century church, man, when they fellowshiped, they fellowshiped. You know, like y'all have like community groups here, Right? Yeah. And so we have like kind of home groups at the village. And, and so what, what I know about this, and so this is not a time for you to say amen. This is not a time for you to shake your head. Like, yes, like don't, don't agree with me visually right now. Okay. Because for, for, for what I know to be true about group life is that sometimes you have those people in your group that you just don't really get along with. You don't really like, right. And so don't shake your head right now. You know, like, you know, cause you're, you're, somebody in your home group looking like, oh, 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 okay. I see. I see what time it is. Okay. But, but what I know to be true is that sometimes we just don't get along too well. And at times, we don't really want to do life with certain people. And, and I'm not saying that the first century church didn't, didn't, didn't always love each other. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that they were, were not at times hostile toward one another because we look at the book of Ephesians and we see that Jew and Gentiles, man, they, they were at war with one another. They had some issues with one another. But what I am saying is when the first century church fellowship together, what came first, what came first was conversion in Christ. Oh, you're a believer in Jesus Christ? I love you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ? I love you. You need something? I got you. Like, I'm going to give this to you because you're a brother or a sister in Jesus Christ, and our allegiance with the triune God means so much more than me wanting, wanting to conserve my time or my energy or my selfishness to not want to hang out with you, to not want to do life with you, to not want to give things to you. The first century church saw first communion with God as most important. And so what would it look like for us if we saw people in this room, outside of this room, if we saw people first through the lens of their allegiance with the triune God, 
or their allegiance with the prince of the power of air? How would that shape us as a people? How would that drive us as a believers and followers of Jesus Christ? And so this powerful church, they were devoted. They were a devoted people to the word of God. Not only were they a devoted people to the word of God, but they were also, they were also devoted in fellowship to one another. And thirdly, they were a worshiping church. Acts 2, 42 through 46, I want to read this again. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And, and so what we see here is that the early church took communion together and often gathered together in their homes. And, and so throughout the Pauline epistles, we also see this kind of theme of prayer. And so, and so what we know to be true is that when they gathered together, they gathered in the temple courts. And so they had, they had prayer meetings all the time. They would always gather to pray, and they would always gather to worship the Lord because it was a need for them to do this in this context. And so throughout the Pauline epistles, we just see Paul um, mentioning so much about prayer for the saints. And so in 1 Corinthians 1.4, I give thanks to God always for you. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in my prayers. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. And so there was something significant about the structure of the temple to gather in, and yet there was also something spontaneous about meeting in homes together to also pray, to not just worship in the temple, but to also gather in people's homes and to continue that worship in the spontaneity of people's homes. And so this first century church, they devoted themselves to worship, to, to praying with one another, to supping with one another, to breaking bread with one another, communion. And, and so this church, they love to pray. They love to pray. Why? Why did they love to pray? Because they encountered the Lord. They encountered the Lord. And so here's the question. Have you encountered the Lord? If you've, come to, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's already a miracle at work in your life because it's a miraculous work of God to transition us from darkness into light. Like we were dead, now we're alive in Christ. That is a miracle. And so we celebrate the miraculous work of God, knowing that God has done something so mighty for us that we could never do for ourselves. And so for this first century church, they knew very closely that Jesus Christ was dead and he resurrected victoriously from the grave. They saw that. They witnessed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where these people start speaking in many different tongues. And these were not random tongues because there was men around who heard these tongues and was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm from all the way over in this place. How are you speaking my language? And so the evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was there. And when they prayed, they encountered the Lord because the word tells us that they were in awe and signs and wonders were done around them. And so here's a question. Have you ever prayed and the Lord answered? Five of you guys. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you five, when we get ready at the end of these services to pray, I'm going to need all y'all to come up because we're going to pray and we're going to trust that the Lord's going to answer prayer. But the question is, have you ever prayed and the Lord answered prayer? Yes. yes, absolutely. And so then another question is, why don't we pray more? Because we're so busy. We forget. We forget. We're forgetful people. 
And so it makes sense why this first century church devoted themselves. They busied themselves in the Word of God. It makes sense why they devoted themselves to fellowship because they needed to be reminded of this truth. And from this truth being proclaimed, they needed to be reminded of this truth with their brothers and sisters. And from being reminded of this truth with their brothers and sisters, they then needed to worship together because there is, there is an expression that we then have to do or that is a right response to what the Lord has done for us. And so when they praised together, this wasn't, oh, thank you, Lord. You're so good. Mm, man, Jesus. Bless your name. Hey, that's good, though. Like, you do that. Like, I'm not saying there's that's anything wrong with that. But this praise was an outward praise. Like, they praised the Lord. It was a halal kind of worship. They went crazy. Like, they lifted their hands. They made shouts for joy to the Lord. It wasn't this, this kind of contained praise. They let themselves loose because there's so much to be thankful for when we consider the goodness of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on. Y'all can clap. Y'all can clap. Yes. And so when you consider, when you consider what the Lord has done for you, when you consider how the Lord has saved you, and for some of you, what he saved you from, when you consider how the Lord has answered prayer, when you consider, when you consider these things, when you consider the word of of the Lord, when you consider the grace of God, the loving kindness of God, when you consider the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters, I just want to celebrate. And so for this powerful church, this powerful people, they took that serious. They lost themselves in praise and adoration to the Lord. And they prayed because they knew the Lord would answer prayer. They knew it. They encountered it. The Lord had done it before. And so my wife and I, we have a five-month-old son. And for you parents in here, you know that when you... You know, I, I mean, I don't know about Austin, but you know, maybe, maybe you guys are having your babies in swimming pools and all that. I have no idea. I know y'all can be granola sometimes, but, you know, that ain't me. You know, we're going to go to the hospital. But, hey, bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so we had our baby at a hospital, and, um, and yeah, so we did. <laughs> and, so, um, and so, you know, they, they want to they prick your baby. They want to take a little blood out. They want to, you know, make sure that, you know, everything is okay. And, and so, they, you know, they, they poke your baby. And for, for me as a parent, I'm like, hey, man, you poke my baby again, I'm going to poke you. Like, like, come on. Like, what's up with it? Like, like, come on, my baby is crying. Like, stop that, all right? Like, he good. And so, um, but anyway, they do that because they want to do various tests just to make sure that, you know, the baby's health is okay. And so we go in for our one-week checkup, you know, post our time in the hospital, and the pediatrician says, um, hey, you, you may want to go get a second screening. And I'm like, what? A second screening? For what? Like, we had one baby, and we never had to get a second screening, and so why? And she was like, oh, no big deal. Just, you, just, you probably want to go and, and just go get a second screening. But she never really told us why. And so we were like, well, yeah, bump that. Like, we're not, we're not going to go and we're not going to go and, and get a second screening. Like, we're not going to do that. And so, um, and so we, we didn't. And so then they call us, and she finally says, hey, you really need to go get a second screening. Like, this is important. And I'm like, okay, you really need to tell us why this is so important, all right? Um, and so she says, well, you know, there was a test that, you know, your son um, came inconclusive for. It tripped this test. So it's not saying that he has it, and it's not saying that he doesn't have it, um, but we'll, we'll make sure to know during this second screening. And so, friends, we are like oh my goodness. Like, if you've ever felt helpless before, like, as a parent, if your kid is ever sick, like, even if they have an ear infection or a cold, it's pathetic something. Like, you can't do anything. Like, they're sick and you can't help them, you know? And, and as a parent, you feel extremely helpless. And so we see the power of prayer being experienced by the believer when we see ourselves in helpless situations. 
And so how often do we see ourselves helpless before the Lord? Because in this context with our son, we were helpless. And so you better believe we began to pray. Like, Father, we don't know what's going on. And God, we don't want to know what's going on. We want everything to be right. And so God, would you correct whatever is wrong right now? We believe that you can do that. And so we pray. And so we get the second screening done. And again, it's inconclusive. And we're like, come on, like, what is up? Why is it inconclusive? I'm like, okay, I was a biology major. Let me do the test. I'll do it. I'm going to do the test for my own son, all right? Like, y'all have some issues here. And, and so then they go into some genetic testing. And so they do the genetic testing, and, and the, gene- the genetic testing proved that whatever tripped it is not that at all, that everything is in order. His genes are great. Amen. Come on. And so... And so I I would believe that the Lord, through his power and his might, healed my son. Like he healed him. Like I believe that. And and I believe that the Lord wanted wanted to remind us of our state of helplessness so that we can be led through the throne of grace to pray. And so brothers and sisters in the Lord, let me tell you this. We are helpless. We are helpless. There is a dominion of darkness at work against the believers of Jesus Christ that God himself right now is protecting us from. We are helpless. We don't even see it. We don't even know it. But God is a warrior fighting for the saints right now. And so, friends, if we forget to pray, we forget at times how helpless we are and how mighty the Lord is and how he desires, how he desires to answer prayer from his children. And so my son, he's three years old. And when it's almost bedtime, he always does this sweet little thing. And it's so sweet. Like it's like seven o'clock. He knows that he's about to get ready to go take a bath. And from that bath time, we're going to read a little book. We're going to pray. And then he's going to get in bed. But right around seven o'clock, he can't even tell time right now. But right around seven o'clock, he's like, hey, daddy, you want to watch a movie with me? And I'm like, oh, come on, buddy. Let's go watch a movie together, you know? And, And so just think about that. Think about that. Like, when we come before the Lord, Daddy, Father, Abba, do you want to watch a movie with me? Like, Father, Father, would you draw near to me? Like, Father, would you answer this prayer for me? Like, God, would you save this person for your glory and our good? Father, would you, would you heal this person of this sickness? Father, would you deliver this person from this addiction? Father, just imagine the intimacy that we encounter when we come to the Lord. In this first century church, they got it. They knew how important it was. They witnessed the Lord. They encountered the Lord, and the Lord encountered them. And so may the Lord encounter us. May we encounter him. May we draw near to him as he draws near to us. And may we see the power of God as we come before the Lord with expressions of praise and prayer. Amen? And so not only was this church a worshiping church, but they were also, they were also an evangelistic church. And so they were a church devoted to the word, and that's power. They were a church devoted to fellowship, and that's power. They were a church devoted to worship, and that's power. And they were a church devoted to evangelism. And so they didn't find themselves only worshiping the Lord and only gathering in their community and only celebrating the Lord in fellowship. They didn't only find themselves consumed with the fellowship of the saints, um, the Sunday worship, and, and also this, this sort of fellowship within the saints. They didn't find themselves only busy with that, but they also found themselves busy with the proclamation of the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so out of worship, the gospel went forward with this people. 
And so Acts 2.47 says this, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And so they were praising God. And from that worship, the gospel went out. And so this word for favor here in the Greek, it means a winning quality or attractiveness that invites a favorable reaction. And so these people, the first century church was known as a gracious people, um, a people who were attractive, um, charm. They were a people of charm and they were very winsome. And so, and so Harry Bower, he writes this in his book called Pentecost and Missions about the Acts church. The Acts is governed by one dominant, overriding, and all-controlling motif. This motif is the expansion of faith through the missionary witness in the power of the Spirit. Relentlessly, the Spirit drives the church to witness, and continually churches rise out of the witness. The church is a missionary church. And so, friends, like, we, we are the church. We are the people of God, and by and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we all in this room are missionaries. We are missionaries. We are called out to make disciples of Jesus Christ into the nations, all ethnos, wherever you are, we are called by the Lord in obedience to the Great Commission to go and make disciples and share the good news of the gospel to those who are lost. So I've been driving around Austin, and so Tori got me a, a room right off of 6th Street. I don't know if you thought I was about to turn up last night, but I'm like... <laughs> Homeboy, I'm, I'm going to chill out in this room. I see all these people walking around 6th Street. Like, I'm going to go I'm gonna go to my room, and I'm, I'm going to close these blinds, and I'm going to just go to sleep and pray, all right? Um, I'm not going to be enticed by all this stuff going on on 6th Street. Um, but as I was driving, I see all these people getting ready to turn up. I mean, want to have a good time. And, hey, I'm all for a good time. I'm not going to tell you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I love having a good time, but it's a different kind of good time that I'm all about having. You know what I mean? Like, like I, remember my, I remember the days of the like 6th Street. I remember those days in my life. But I, I saw something interesting. Like, around 6th Street, there's this kind of, you know, overpass. And, and man, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what this community of people are called, but it looked like a, a, a pretty massive homeless population right there. And so as you're driving, I mean, they may jump on your car and start, you know, cleaning your windshield. I'm like, hold, hold on, bro, bro, I ain't from around here, so you may want to get up off my car because I got, you know, I got some right here, you know, like, sitting out. I'm, the word of the Lord. This is my sword. I'm, I'm going to pull this word out, you know. <laughs> Shoot, I'm arming myself with that word. And, and so, but what, what I know to be true um, about the homeless population is that at, at times they walk in a lot of hopelessness. Um, at times they find themselves... Um, addicted to not only alcohol, but a lot of drug addiction as well. Um, and, and so when I think about, man, is there a mission field for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think often it's easy for us to go overseas. And praise the Lord that we can do overseas missions. But may we never be a people who will go overseas before we go across the street. Amen? Come on. That'll preach. And, and, and may we never be a people who who, who will look to do a one-week mission trip, but not a lifelong missionary journey right where we are. And so may the power of the Holy Spirit move us, move us to meet our neighbors, move us to stop and really greet some of those people who may weird us out a little bit because the power of the Holy Spirit of God that is within us should never be contained. And so the gospel is not meant to be contained. 
Like if you have the gospel, God gave you the gospel to let it go. And so let the gospel go. For all my friends up in here who got little kids who like watching, you know, Frozen, let it go. Let it go, right? Can't hold it back anymore, all right? Like, like the gospel overwhelms me so much that I have to proclaim the good news of the Lord because I have been set free. And may we grieve those who don't know Jesus because the reality of where they are today is that they are dying separated from God for all of eternity. Friends, does that move you? Does that grieve you that you are walking around every day with zombies? You are walking around every day encountering funerals of death every single day. And so this church, because there was 296,000 people who did not know Jesus, they were moved to share the gospel because they wanted people to know this Jesus, this King, this Savior, this Lord, this God that we've been brought into a great covenant relationship with. And so this church operated in power. I love Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. And so I can't be ashamed of something that is not of me. I can't be ashamed of something that's not of me. You know, often we kind of find ourselves hemmed in and afraid. You know, maybe we don't want to share Jesus because, like, I'm afraid about what this person may say to me or I'm afraid about how this person may react or respond to me. Friends, we cannot be ashamed of something that's not of us. The gospel is God's work. He saves. He redeems. He reconciles. It's his love. And so we are just called to let it go. Share the good news of the gospel so that many may come to believe because day by day in this first century church, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. And so through praise, through favor, attractiveness, and through witness, the Lord expanded his church. And so we don't save, God saves, but we get, we get to see the Lord at work. And I want to see that. Like, I want to see the Lord save, Amen. Absolutely. And so when, when, when the Bible says that they had these glad and generous hearts, like they were, they were just overwhelmed with joy because of what the Lord was doing. And so have you ever met someone and you're like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm so good. I'm, I'm always good. And you're like, what? Like, you ain't always good. Like, some, something is off with you at some time, right? Like, you, you don't wake up just excited all the time, do you? Here, here's the reality. Believer in Jesus Christ, we are always good. We are, all, we are always good because we are reminded that all things work together for the good of them that love God. We are reminded that we have a Savior, and oh, what a Savior. We are, we are reminded there, that there is wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, we get to steward this power that God has given us. We are always good. And so when people say, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored in the Lord, that should be our response. And that's attractive. People are going to begin to wonder, why are you always good? Why are you always joyful? Why are you always excited? Because even in the midst of death, we can still have joy because the Lord gives us this joy because things are always good into glory. And so as I was preparing this message, um, I needed Friday to just kind of pull away. And so friends, my week has been busy. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, it has been overwhelming to the point of like heart palpitations. Like, well, like, babe, I'm just 33, but... 
I I may need to go get my heart checked, like something ain't right, but I've been so busy and so consumed. And so as as we are preparing to plant this church, I mean, people are coming out from everywhere. Rob, I want to hear about this church. And so when they say we want to hear about the church, then I got to meet with them. And so breakfast, lunch, and dinners are all consumed. And so this week we've probably met with about 20 families who are all wanting to come to our church plant. And that's been really busy. And praise the Lord. Come on. Like people want to be a part of this. And so... And so as I'm really excited, like it's taken away significant time for me to prepare for this message. And so I had a script laid out. I had the word that I was going to preach. I just needed to fine tune it. And so Friday, I am um, getting ready to go to this coffee shop that I always hang out with and hang out at in Louisville. Um, And so for me, I want to spend as much of my time in Louisville that I can. We're going to be playing in a church in Louisville. I want to be known in Louisville. And I want to know the city of Louisville. Excuse me. And And so I go to this coffee shop. Um, perk. And so I've been here before. And so a week before going to this coffee shop, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down and, and man, this, this awkward event happens. And so I'm sitting down and um, I see this guy who, who appears to be homeless. Now that's not awkward. Like, I, I, I mean, I grew up in the hood and I've seen that my whole life. And so I'm not like opposed by, you know, those who may for some be untouchable. And so, and so I see this guy and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it's a homeless guy. But what got awkward was he started walking. And you're probably like, Rob, that ain't awkward. Well, it was a bit awkward for me, but it's not awkward that he started walking. It was awkward that he had a cell phone in his hand. And so that's not awkward either, right? Like, like people have cell phones. You were like, Rob, I'm confused right now. Help me out. Like, land the plane, bro. Like, I'm lost. <laughs> and so, and so this, this, this guy, he's homeless. He's, it, it was awkward because he, started, he starts to walk towards me with his cell phone out, and he is recording me, like literally like, like looking at me, recording me with his cell phone. And I'm like, is he recording me? Like... This is so awkward. Like, what is going on here? So I'm like, whoa, like, dude, what do you, what do you, like, what do you, I don't even know what to say. Like, he is walking so slow and I get a glimpse of his phone and he's recording me. And I'm like, hold on. Like, like, bro, you trying to, you, what are you doing here? Like, I don't, I have no idea. Like, I've never encountered this before where it was so explicit where his cell phone was like, oh, let me get this dude. Let me record this brother. And so, and so I'm weirded out. So then the owner comes over and she's like, hey, you know, don't be, don't be alarmed by this. And I was like, man, I'm not alarmed by this guy in any way. I was like, what was awkward is that he was recording me. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, well, I just want to know what he was doing. And so, and so he leaves and I, I stay there to do a little bit of work. This was a week ago. And so Friday I'm driving to go back to this coffee shop to do some work. And as I'm driving, I look in this empty lot and there's that guy. There he is. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pull out my cell phone. I'm going to roll up on you. What's up, bro? And so I didn't do that, by the way, but, uh, but I did roll up on him. Seriously, like I pulled up on him and I was like, hey, like I, I, I've seen you a couple of times um, at this coffee shop and um, yeah, and just man, like what's your name? Like what's your story? Um, and so he tells me his name is Aaron. Um, Aaron has been homeless for about five years. He's from Flint, Michigan. Um, he's been locked up um, a couple of times. Um, found himself in a very abusive context while he was incarcerated um, and has been on the street in Louisville for some time now. And he finds his, his place of rest next to this gas station um, where he goes to sleep every night. And, um, and so I asked him, I was like, hey, like the other, the other week, I noticed that you pulled out your phone and you were recording me. I was like, what was up with that? He was like, he was like oh, I got a YouTube channel and I like to put things on YouTube. I was like, what? what you doing with a YouTube channel? I ain't even got a YouTube channel. And I was like, what are you doing with that? And he's like, I just want to document my life. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's cool. I'm glad to be part of your documentation. My name is Rob Daniels. You can put that on your YouTube channel. And so, and so then I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, would you like anything to eat? And he's like, no, I'm okay. And, 
And um, I was like, no, for real, like, have you, have you had anything to eat today? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, well, would you like anything to eat? He's like, no, I'm okay. And I was like, okay, have you had anything to eat today? And he's like, no. I was like, okay, would you like anything to eat? He's like, no, I'm okay. I was like, okay, those are not, recon- like, I, I can't bring those two things together. So I was like, I'm gonna go buy you a burger over here um, or some, like some fries, what do you want? He was like, man, I'll take some fries and a large Sprite. And I was like, I'll be right back. So I whip around a Whataburger, get this dude, some fries and a large Sprite. And I hand him this food, and as I'm handing him this food, I go in and shake his hand, and he kind of like puts his hand up, and he's like, man, I don't, I don't shake hands. And I was like, why? Like, why don't you shake hands? And so then he, he goes to his phone, and he lays out this, um, he, 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 he gives me this song from this old school 1970s um, um, band called the Indisputable um, undisputable um, truth by this 1970s Motown group. And here's the words to this song. He plays it for me and it says, smiling faces sometimes pretend to be your friend. Smiling faces show no traces of the evil that lurks within. Can you dig it? Smiling faces, smiling faces sometimes they don't tell the truth. Smiling faces, smiling faces tell lies and I got proof. And I hear him, and, and, I, and I hear this song, and, and my heart just breaks. Because here it is, this homeless guy who doesn't have much is also walking around with a lack of trust for people. He's been wounded. He's been hurt. And for me, I'm like, man, may it never be so that me, a child of God, a believer of Jesus Christ, a follower of God who's been redeemed by the shed blood of the Lamb on the cross of Calvary, like, may it never be so that people don't trust me to shake their hand, to wash their feet, to give them bread, to give them the gospel. May we be a people because of the power that lies within us. Be so moved by the truth of God's word. Be so moved by the fellowship of the saints. Be so moved in worship and be so moved by the gospel that people see us as an attractive people. They don't put their hands up. They come in for a hug, friends. And so, and so, Believer in Jesus Christ, do you live your life in such a way to where people feel like you're untouchable? Can you be touched? Can they be touched by you? And so when you go shopping, when you go check your mail, when you go walk your dogs, because believe me, y'all Austinites, y'all love some dogs, all right? <laughs> Seriously, I got coffee this morning, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, Man, there's dogs everywhere. Like what? And on a Sunday morning, I'm like, man, they got dog church up in here. <laughs> Shoot. These dogs about to, about to break some dogs, some, some, I don't know, kibbles and bits or whatever they eat. I don't know. And so, um, but as believers, do we find ourselves, do we find ourselves touchable people? Because let me tell you, Jesus, Jesus placed himself to the lowest degree to be a servant to wash the disciples' feet. And so, friends, we have power, and that power is not meant to be contained. It is meant to be seen. And so may we walk out and live out this power that the Lord has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit where many, where many will come to see the fellowship that we have with the triune God and one another. And may many begin to see our love for the Word because it is transformative, and may many begin to see the way in which we praise and celebrate the Lord and that we can lose ourselves in that and may many get to taste the good news of the gospel because, friends, we have power. And this ain't some vibranium, heart-shaped herb. Guys, this is the power of the creator of all things that he has given us 
this power to steward. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you give power. And God, thank you. Thank you, God, that we walk around, Father, as your children, having been given the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we will steward this power that you have given us. And God, make us a people who will be devoted, busy ourselves in your word, God. And God, help us to be a people who would love to love one another. And God, make us to be a people, God, who will celebrate you in spirit and in truth. And God, may we be a people who see the realities of spiritual death around us, that we cannot help but share the gospel out of desperation to see many come to faith. God, thank you that you have given us this power. Help us, Father, when we're weak. Help us when we question. Help us when we just don't want to do it to make much of you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.